Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the Master of Ceremonies, Matt, and we're finally putting a cap on the Halloween franchise. Danny, are you excited? I'm so excited. Welcome back to Halloween, everybody. I know November has just started, but we're not done just yet. Yeah, hold on for just a second longer before you push your Christmas decorations up or put your Christmas sweater on, Karen Strode. We got a little bit more Halloween spirit left in us, and I feel like this episode is going to not only be like a really good end cap to our Halloween series, which we started fucking two years ago, but mm-hmm. also be like a really good you know conversation piece. Uh, because I feel like there's been a lot of buzz about uh, Halloween lately, especially since it came out. Uh, and a lot of people have a lot of thoughts about it. Yes. Um, not a lot of them very nice thoughts. Um, and luckily, so, we have those. Yeah, so even though we may have had negative thoughts, and I'm sure we'll talk about them, but mm-hmm. again, this is a positive podcast. We're going to talk about why you should watch these movies, um, and not only that, but why they're really good additions to the Halloween franchise as a whole, which mm-hmm. is also important because we're this is technically a franchise breakdown episode. <laughs> Yes, two years later, we're finishing the franchise breakdown of Halloween. Now that two years later, there have been two movies added. Um, yeah, I like, do want to do some bullshit for Saw, but like, you know, oh, yeah. that'll be several years from now. Um, this is your fair warning ahead of time. We are not hiding any spoilers in this. We are going straight Ooh. into it. We're not doing a spoiler section. This entire episode is going to be filled with spoilers. If you haven't seen these movies, get on top of that first, or if you just don't care, listen to our episodes, and then you'll want to go watch them. Yeah. Yep. We're This is a spoiler zone, especially because we're talking about Halloween ends, and we're going to be talking, at least I am, a lot about how kills goes into ends mm-hmm. uh, and the differences therein, so we can't we're not going to just wait until ends to spoil ends. We're going to be spoiling it throughout the episode. Yes. Um, ends is still streaming on Peacock. I believe it's still streaming for another 30 days or so from now. Um, so if you're still looking to see it and it's not in a theater near you, go pick up your local Peacock subscription and check it out from there. Okay. All right. Let's, let's do get this. Into this shit. Ooh, Crack some yes. knuckles and let's get into, oh, let's get into I- these movies. I'm so fucking excited. Okay. Um, up top, I do want to just note that in, in covering these, t- these movies, it's kind of been interesting. Like, as a franchise breakdown, mm-hmm. uh, we tried our best two years ago uh, to try to group the movies together as best we could in terms of, like, there's a opening trilogy with John Carpenter. So he has the original Halloween, obviously. Halloween mm-hmm. 2 is a direct sequel. And then Season of the Witch, which is something that goes in another direction, but still f- matches the spirit of what John Carpenter wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Season of the Witch had its own proclivities that we covered a lot back then. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the you know the Jamie Lloyd trilogy, that's a lot of the removed stuff. Different, but important why we covered mm-hmm. it. Uh, and then finally, the Laurie Strode trilogy, which we were... Or the Jamie Lee Curtis trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, which now is more the Halloween 2018 trilogy. But back then, mm-hmm. it was just... H2O it was Resurrection H2O Resurrection in 2018. And uh, now it's interesting because even if we had held off to cover all three of these movies at once, uh, mm-hmm. it, they don't necessarily match up with each other all the way through. But mm-hmm. if we've learned anything from the Halloween franchise, that is to be expected. Yes. It never stays the way it is for long. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think it's important to note that this was 
a directorial choice that each of these has a very different focus. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's, I think that was a very good thing that David Gordon Green was able to pull out of this trilogy instead of just creating three just base slasher sequels. He was yeah. able to give them each their very distinct identity within the trilogy itself and within the franchise as a whole. Yeah. Like if we were to group these two together for a purpose, there would be, it would not just be the Jamie Lloyd trilogy not or the, the John Carpenter trilogy or even the Jamie Lee Curtis trilogy or the Laurie Strode trilogy. Mm-hmm. This is the Halloween double feature, the Haddonfield double feature. Yes. These two movies, Haddonfield is the main character. Mm-hmm. Whether it be through the lens of the main characters of other movies or with new characters or just a, with a more fleshed out feel to the town as a whole, Haddonfield mm-hmm. is the focus of both of these movies. Which yes. now I'm saying, now I believe in, but back when I first watched both of them, I thought it was very interesting that we'd be covering these two movies last because at the time, and even still a little bit now, they seem like the two most dissimilar Halloween movies that mm-hmm. represent two complete opposite ends of the spectrum of the entire franchise. Yes. That may seem dramatic, but like... But we'll get me. into why that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, let's jump right in to A Year Ago man. with Halloween Kills. That was a year ago, man. I can't believe right? it. Right? It's fucking crazy. It felt, it felt like an eternity, man. <laughs> But Halloween Kills is a, just like Halloween 2 back in the early 80s, is a direct sequel to 2018's Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, that was David Gordon Green and uh, who else was it? Danny McBride? Danny McBride. Yeah, that, that was the creative team. And then Blumhouse, of course, uh, mm-hmm. spearheading it with John Carpenter back, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis back. Um, Malik Akkad was back also. So everyone mm-hmm. was on board for this and kills was the, like the immediate follow up to like 2018, just smashing expectations of how fucking amazing it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I still will always sing the praises of 2018 because it is in my personal opinion, it is one of my favorite movies in the franchise. Yeah, um, when I think about Halloween Kills, and I think it's it's a it's a good way to look at Halloween Kills is because it's an immediate like pickup from where 2018 left off. Mm-hmm. It's it almost serves in my head, kind of like Halloween Two, to just view them as the same movie. Yeah, like the same night, Halloween 2018. So Kills is still Halloween Night 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of what happens after the Strode women lock the shape in a basement and set it on fire. Mm-hmm. We see the immediate aftermath of that and know pretty early on the tone this movie is going to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the movie opens with a flashback to 1978 to let you know that we are still focusing on that original night and it's still going to have massive implications as to what happens throughout the rest of these movies. Yeah. Um, specifically with, um, oh gosh, it was Hawkins, right? Yeah, um, Officer Hawkins. It was Officer Steve, Hawkins. I think is his name, right? Um, Frank. Frank Hawkins. Frank, yes. Um, who sees Michael Myers the night of that 1978 um, uh, murder spree. Um, yeah, he was and, just a deputy at the time. Yeah, he was just a, a deputy sh- uh, working for the sheriff's department. 
And he and one of his partners end up going to the Myers house and find Michael Myers there after Loomis has shot Michael off of the balcony and saved Laurie Strode's life. Yeah, um, I, it's it's a very important bit of kind of canon world building of the, the one of the offices, the one with Hawkins, knew Michael as a child and talked about how Michael would just kind of stare outside of his sister's window Mm-hmm. As just kind of completely unresponsive, just staring and staring and staring, and he never understood what was going on with him. And then one night he snaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's so important to see where Hawkins came from, so that we can see where he goes. Because despite what you may have thought from Halloween 2018, Hawkins is not dead. Despite getting I'm stabbed so... and run over by a car. Oh. I'm very glad that he lived. And it's kind of cool that Cameron finds him, too, and immediately redeems himself. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Cameron, who you, you may remember as Allison's uh, shitty boyfriend from 2018, uh, he finds Hawkins, and uh, Hawkins, who is actively dying at the moment, um, essentially just says, I regret not killing Michael, and now it's my turn to do it. Yeah, man. Um, because he was the reason, we find out a little bit later on, that Michael didn't die the night of 78 from Loomis just shooting him in the head. Because yeah, I mean, he felt that humanity to Michael. I mean, we could talk about it right now, man. I mean, That's like, true, yeah, we're just jumping back. around. Yeah, we could just do that. That's totally... We don't have to do it play-by-play. Play. We could just talk about the best parts of kills, and there's most of them just are in service of the plot. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, like, Hawkins and his partner, they show up to the, to the Myers house, um... We see in a side flashback later on from from uh, Lonnie, uh, Cameron's dad, that mm-hmm. the shape was in route to his childhood home, and he just happens to get there while the dete- while the sheriffs are in the house in his sister's bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawkins' partner is blindsided by uh, Michael when he shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he starts strangling him, and you know Hawkins makes the the tough choice to try to shoot Michael, and accidentally hits his partner. Mm-hmm. And yeah. for not only to, for Hawkins to have the guilt of shooting his friend, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. it's an accident people would understand, but he carries such guilt for not killing Michael. Because mm-hmm. after Michael, after he shoots the partner, Michael leaves, Loomis is there. He's like, mm-hmm. did Michael kill again? You know, the cops have the shape cornered and the shape mm-hmm. turns off. Yeah, and also, we're about to kill Michael, man. <laughs> also, I just have to shout out to um, the effects department and the actor who played um, Loomis in this movie. I don't have his name in front of me, but they recreated. Um, oh, what's his name? This is gonna kill Donald me. Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasant, thank you. Um, they recreated Donald Pleasance's appearance with a lookalike and a little bit of prosthetics and a um, voice recreator an actor who specifically does Donald Pleasance's voice in order to recreate <laughs> Donald Pleasance as Loomis, despite him having been dead for about 20 years now. Yeah. Well, it's also really cool because that whole sequence in the 70s, they shoot like it did in the 70s. So the, like, It is the lit the exact same way. It's so oh. awesome. And it looks, and because Donald Pleasance is there, you're like, holy shit, was this just cut footage from Halloween that we never mm-hmm. saw? Like, it looks so cool. And then, 
obviously it, it sticks with Hawkins because he, you know, we've seen Lunas in the beginning of Halloween. He's trying to kill the shit out of the shape. He shoots him six times. Mm-hmm. Off, you know, like he's hellbent on killing the shape. So when he has the opportunity, when Michael is turned off, he fully intends to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and upon his recommendations, we learned in 2018, you know, immediately check until his vitals are gone and then like incinerate the body, like destroy mm-hmm. it. Hawkins doesn't let him because he remembers that story. His partner told him that he was just a kid. And he's like, you know, this kid didn't need, you know, to be, you know, destroyed like this. It was a, it was a human being, mm-hmm. but he's, and he confesses to Lori, like, you know, I was wrong. And, you know, there's nothing behind those eyes, but pure evil, mm-hmm. which sets the tone because Michael in this movie becomes pure evil. The more that he kills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we then have the opening credits, which, oh, oh, dude, it's, I love, I mean, I love the opening credits to all three of the movies in this trilogy. They're incredible. But this one in particular has just a special place in my heart because just seeing them, it brings me joy. Yeah. The flaming pumpkins. Yeah. Kills' theme and the rest of the soundtrack, which is, oh, God. The whole trilogy soundtrack, my God. Mm-hmm. Cody and John Carpenter and the, I don't remember the, the third guy's name. Uh, um, but the three of them together made... Daniel Davies. Like all th- yeah, the three movies had such a very distinct sound for mostly the same music. Well, obviously, there's additions and there's different interpretations of it. But, like, mm-hmm. just the theme alone, the parts of the song that are the theme of this movie, the parts of, you know, just, like, you know, the, the you know more about this musically than I do, but, like, like the one for ends is, like, downscale from the original one. And the mm-hmm. original one feels like something old waking up. This one feels a lot more ethereal. Like, yeah. it's other, it's, it's beyond human. Mm-hmm. And those flaming pumpkins just kind of hanging in suspended air fit that vibe a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we jump right into picking up with the survivors of 40 years ago's events. The last time they know about Michael having struck. Because keep in mind, this is the same night that Michael attacks in 2018 they don't yeah. know yet they're just out the in a bar year anniversary still yeah oh, and they're out at that bar specifically because it's the anniversary mm-hmm. uh the the legacy characters that show up it's you know there's uh i don't remember his last name but lonnie who's one of uh, the, elam. the kids lonnie elam. elam yeah he was one of the kids that was like kind of playing around uh trying to ding dong ditch the myers house in the mm-hmm. first movie uh he's friends now with tommy jarvis Tommy Jarvis is from nope. Friday the 13th. Yep. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Tommy, what's his last name? Doyle. Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle. Tommy Doyle. Everyone's name, t- we just did Fear Street. That's a Tommy too. Everyone's Lots a Tommy, Tommies. man. Stop. Leave Tommy alone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, the kid that, that Lori was babysitting that night, that both the kids Lori ended up babysitting, they're adults mm-hmm. now too, along with the nurse that was there the night that he escaped. Yes. Uh so yeah, we've got a lot of legacy characters here that um, some are played by the original actors or actresses. Um, Lindsay Wallace is played by the original actress Kyle Richards. Uh, Marion yeah. Chambers is played by the original 
actress Nancy Stevens. Um, yep. We do have new characters or new actors playing Tommy Doyle and uh, Lonnie Elam, which are Anthony Michael Hall as Tommy Doyle taking over for Paul Rudd, who played yeah, the role man. in Curse of Michael Myers and was asked to do this movie. And uh, why couldn't he do it? Danny? Was unable to do it because he was too busy being in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Can you imagine, as a child of the 80s and 90s, that you have to choose between this bet, like, the greatest successful modern horror franchise, like, slasher franchise, and being in Ghostbusters, and you're already a superhero in the MCU? Listen, I would do the same thing he did. I would have been in Ghostbusters. I wouldn't have batted an eye. Yeah. It would have been a tough Especially because he had done Halloween already. So he would be revisiting a character. (laughs) Well, and it would have made canon Curse of Michael Myers in a way, which kind of would have sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have Robert Longstreet playing Lonnie Elam, um, yeah. who, as but we like, noted, is Cameron's dad. Um, yeah. Sorry, you were saying. Uh, I just wanted to I mean, Anthony Michael Hall, for people that probably don't know, like, he's the nerd in The Breakfast Club. He's in Sixteen Candles. He's in Edward Scissorhands. I say he's the bully in Edward Scissorhands. uh, Yeah, but that's what's weird is that he's either the bully or, like, the nerd. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no in-between for him. Yeah. Well, and it was was very interesting that when they cast him originally, I was like, wait, they cast the nerdy kid as Tommy, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, like, age-wise. But then I went, wait, no, it totally does. And when I saw him in this movie, he fits the character of what they made Tommy for this movie so mm-hmm. well. Tommy well, yeah. was a little boy that was very afraid a lot. Um, you know, we got picked on a lot. He was a little bit of a smaller kid. And mm-hmm. then the literal boogeyman showed up and almost killed him. He's going to have, like, a fear of overcoming that for the rest of his life. So, of course, he's going to get jacked and probably play football in high school. Of course, mm-hmm. he hangs out at the same bar that he grew up at. And, of course, he views Michael Myers still as this force of nature. Or he doesn't view Michael Myers as this force of nature. He views him as a man that could be stopped. Mm-hmm. And it's very important that he views him as something that, like, he has had to make small. Well, yeah, and he's taken over... Because because he was bullied as a child and he was so traumatized by the attack, he has created that he must control the power in any every situation, which is why he becomes the ringleader of the entire Haddonfield um, mindset, which is the evil dies mob. tonight. <laughs> yeah, I, because uh, this movie get ready to is drink for every time evil dies tonight, man. You would die about halfway through the movie. <laughs> um, but yes, he be- this whole movie focuses very heavily on the mob mentality of a town that has been scorned once before, and now its citizens will not let it happen again, but inadvertently make it happen again. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, this movie focuses on how Michael has affected the mindset of everyone in Haddonfield who was and wasn't alive during that first attack in 1978. Everyone knows about the boogeyman attack. Everyone knows that if it comes back, they have to try to stop it. Well, and at the time, it was interesting because it seems like, at least before everyone hears about Michael again, that Michael only haunts the people he directly attacked. Mm -hmm. Like, Haddonfield as a whole, like, remembers Michael Myers, obviously, but he's not... It doesn't. I don't really get the impression that he's their boogeyman as much Mm -hmm. as he definitely is Laurie's. Uh, yeah. Because Laurie knows the truth about the shape. 
uh, he's Tommy's boogeyman, but he's something that Tommy has had to live with and try to recalibrate. Lori mm-hmm. wasn't able to move on because she knows the true nature of Michael, and that yeah. terrifies the fuck out of her. So, and they kind of touch on it in the next movie too, where like because Michael haunts a community, he has power over it. Mm-hmm. And for residents to view him as something that is not anything like as something that is a man mm-hmm. that hurt them, that they can get vengeance on. That is the impetus of this movie and Halloween ends. And both movies handle it in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them are wrong. And in fact, both of them are actually very good. It, like focuses for a movie Mm-hmm. They just don't necessarily work one after the other, um, but that doesn't matter much. It's just worth noting, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we pick up with Michael himself in the burning building, where firemen oh, have decided dude. to show up. And this is, I'm going to say is it, the this is the best scene, scene in the entire <sighs> franchise. Yeah, yeah. Um, Period, wow. bar none, it will never be topped. Yeah, no, it, honestly. Because it, it's it, just it, him <laughs> in a pure blind rage taking out 15 guys with creativity I, oh. and with ease. It, it, Halloween kills, dude. I mean, they told us right from the fucking start mm-hmm. what this well, was going to be. Remember and this when is we talked when... about the trailer? <laughs> like, yeah. this was it. Like, it was this movie... It, right away is telling you two things one that michael myers is beyond human and terrorizes people without end and two when he does that he's going to kill as many people as he can possibly find and Mm -hmm. there will be a lot of them well yeah and something that's really important to note is that when david gordon green was talking about kills and ends specifically as two sequels to his halloween 2018 he had a very different mindset in what he wanted from each of those two movies wherein Very he wanted so. um, Halloween Kills to be an action slasher movie. He wanted as <laughs> many is, dude. as many interesting deaths as he could fit in a story and make it realistically work. And man, yep. does he accomplish that. He fucking hit the nail squarely on the head with that one. Mm-hmm. There are some I really mean, brutal kills. And one kill that is brutal and apparently is not a kill according to ends, which is one bit of ends I do yeah, not buy whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> that whole scene made me mad. But yes, continue. Uh, but so Michael in this movie is just such a force to be reckoned with. And it, they very quickly hit the nail on the head that it is not because of who these people are. It is simply because of where they are on his they way are there. home. They are just yeah, in yeah, his they're way. They're in the way. It's not I mean, that he wants to kill anyone. It's that he has to get to his objective. These yeah, are just yeah. the things that happen on the way. Which, and I mean, we holy were told, shit. <laughs> we were told that his objective was Lori. In the whole first movie, that his objective was to kill Lori. And Everyone Lori still believes believed that. that. Yeah, and she, and she does. But we learned very quickly that she was not the objective. Killing Alli- was the objective. <laughs> I was like, Allison is the only one when this movie starts that understands the actual objective because she is the one that saw that Sartain was the one who brought them together. It wasn't yes. Michael's prerogative at all. He didn't care yeah. about Lori. Lori's just another person to him. Yeah, and, and that Lori is, is someone true. that fights him, so why not fight her back? 
Well, and I feel that's true of this entire trilogy, is that Lori is haunted by this this shape that doesn't care about her. She yeah, just yeah, happens exactly. to be someone who fights back, and she has made it into her personality. And that's I why that's I kind of really cool, like Ends, yeah. uh, yep, that yep, she has moved on from that, but that I she still that. has a eye out for this evil shape. Which is why she can see things coming and why the ending is how it is. Because, again, much like in uh, 2018, in Ends, the reason that Michael is fighting Laurie at Laurie's house at the end of the movie isn't because of Laurie. That's not her... It's not because Michael chose her. It's because of where they were at the same time. Yeah, it's exactly the same thing with this whole franchise. Like, Michael, and that's one of the things I know that we've talked about, like, more personally about why I really like Michael is because it's not about any sort of human drive. Mm -hmm. It is a force of nature that is unstoppable, that is piloting a human being. And because of that, it makes that person more than a a man. It makes Mm -hmm. them... Yeah, like it, they, it's like what Laurie says, like the more Michael kills, the more he transcends. Mm-hmm. Like it's Michael was maybe Michael to her on Halloween 1978. But in the years later, he's become the shape because it's yes. more than just what he did to her that night. It's what he's done to her for years. So <clears throat> Laurie can very effectively be seen as like pre and post therapy mm-hmm. uh, because this I mean, let's say Michael never broke out. This is a maladaptive way to live your life. It is dysfunctional. It is bad. She has, you know, alienated herself from her loved ones, from society, and Mm -hmm. is consumed with her own fear to the point that even when she sees Michael the first time, she can't kill him Mm because he still has that much power over her. Ends is someone that goes through that when it actually happened to them. So, like, obviously still taking Michael seriously – Mm-hmm. But with the added benefit of like you can't let him haunt you because it does he doesn't care like yes. it's not about you, mm-hmm. and I think that was like her big therapeutic anchor was she just needed to know that it wasn't about her, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting because it didn't this movie does not set that up for the end like where it, the movie ends it it seems very much still like it's about her, mm-hmm. like which is fine because I I doesn't it doesn't need to be but. I really just I love that growth, Lori. Some and we'll talk about it with ends more. But like mm-hmm. that, Lori post growth is so fascinating. Yeah, um, but, but Lori pre growth. So yeah, we Michael pick up is with, killing everybody. <laughs> we pick up with Lori going to the hospital because she's rough. She's not in great shape because she fought Michael. Um, so the Strode family, or what is left of the Strode family, go to the hospital, um, and they're. Lori is in the hospital for the rest of the movie. She does not escape. She does not do a whole lot. Yeah, because she got the crap kicked out of her. I was like, because she is trying to recover. Yeah, (laughs) Um, she got stabbed in the gut, beaten up, thrown off a roof. She was in rough shape. um, And Karen very quickly makes the decision to not tell Lori that Michael's still alive when she finds out. And she just kind of. Karen in this movie upsets me. Um, Karen is a big pain in the ass and it because, is just the crown jewel. Cause she's also wearing a fucking Christmas sweater on Halloween. What kind of horrible, what kind of person does that? I mean, to be fair, if you were traumatized for one day a year, specifically every year, you know what I didn't, you would ignore that, it. Right. You would ignore yeah. that day. 
Like, I get it. Um, but Karen is very strict on the, there are rules in place and they, people will get things done if we follow the rules. And she doesn't seem to understand that Michael works outside of those rules because Michael, Michael does not give a fuck about the law. Rules. Michael is above your stupid laws. <laughs> Michael's not going to listen to a police officer. He's going to that's, kill that police oh, officer. That's what I love so much about this movie because like the movie has caught up with like the, the fan impression that like Michael does not give a, a shit about anything like he mm-hmm. just kills things and if you get in his way like you die like he doesn't care who you are it doesn't matter how much gumption you have when you want to kill him it doesn't matter what you think about the world if you are in his way he's going to fucking end you mm-hmm. well yeah and like, like michael makes michael sometimes makes art with his murders uh, because he does because make some art. he is a child at heart yeah because, that and that's Hawkins part of it. Says about him, uh, he is uh, he has the mind of a child, but the strength of a grown man. Yeah, and he's in a mind of just pure evil, like mm-hmm. like he, he's, he's and like the mind of a beast or something. More. Yeah, mind of a beast. Yeah, uh, yeah, like he breaks people. Like he, he likes oh, to, to to break them, and it, it's kind of uncomfortable. But like Michael's like an opportunistic killer, so like mm-hmm. he he carries a knife because he's like this is an efficient way of murdering people. But, like, if, if you're just, if he can't stab you immediately, he'll, like, use his mitts, like, his mm-hmm. big, strong hands, and he'll just break your face, break your neck, he'll just crush your bones like they're nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, like, Michael in this movie, when he's first really mad after killing the firefighters, he just takes a person and turns him into a pincushion with all yeah. of the knives they have in the house. And like, that I is how he gets imagine... his frustration out. Like, I can't imagine the the trauma also and this is a good jump to ends for a second mm-hmm. uh so the kill that you mentioned that is not actually a kill in kills because it's the person's we learned survived uh mm-hmm. in ends um the, the couple that lives more or less that are neighbors with Lori um are the first people that michael they're in michael's way after he kills a squad of firefighters on uh, his like way back to mortal, like it's fucking mortal combat uh <laughs> and he 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 breaks her husband, um, and uh, then take just he doesn't have a weapon on him, so he takes a fl- a fluorescent like tube light, mm-hmm. breaks it, and then stabs her in the throat with it. Turns mm-hmm. it several times, probably all the way through, uh, and then I think he leaves it in there while he then goes to make uh, her husband into a pincushion with all the knives that they have. Mm-hmm. One while she by watches one by one while she watches. And you are going to sit there and tell me, I'm sorry to be negative, but you're really going to sit there and tell me that after witnessing that nightmare trauma, you're going to fucking blame Lori for that shit? I don't think so. I think that, okay, here's my thought process. Follow me if you will. The reason she blames Lori for it is because she can't blame Michael anymore. She doesn't think it's just because this person is out killing people that her and her husband died. It's her husband died and she almost died. It's because he was at Lori's place and that she couldn't stop him necessarily. It's that she was because much like Lori, she still thinks that Michael came to that area because of Lori. She doesn't realize that she just happened to be in the way. She thinks that it all circles back to Lori and why Michael was there. If Lori hadn't lived next door, they, she thinks that they would have been safe for Michael ever having been a problem. 
That's true. So it's and her thoughts a- in that she doesn't <laughs> understand the overarching realities because she can't comprehend it because she doesn't have all the facts like we do as the audience. That's tr- that's true. Uh, a, though, like, first of all, that's a bad way to associate grief. Um, yes. First of all, blame is bad. <laughs> Secondly, just to blame the person it was coming to kill and you just live next to it. Like, that's not that person's fault. Mm-hmm. Also, B... She doesn't just blame Lori because she thinks it was following her. She blames Lori because she thinks Lori, what were the stupid words they all use? Oh, uh, poked oh, a mentally yeah. ill man to go off his rocker. First of all, no, she didn't. Second of all, um, did you see Halloween Kills? I don't think he was a mentally disturbed man whatsoever. He seems to be like an unstoppable killing machine. Yeah. <laughs> That even if he was poked and prodded, he didn't do it because Lori locked him in a basement and then he busted out and killed a bunch of firefighters and then wanted to kill you because you were nearby. You were in the way of him getting home, which was, mm-hmm. again, that's his objective. Get to the Myers house. Mm-hmm. Um, so then uh, next up is the Johns. Let's talk oh, about no, the Johns. The Johns! The poor Johns who happen to live in the Myers home. Big Sean and Little John are the best. Oh, wait, they hold on. Just... Before we get to the Johns, isn't there the the search party car first? Because that's still on his way to the house. No, that's that's later on. Because he doesn't kill the Johns then, but like we need to talk about them now. That's true. We, we have to introduce them the before thing. we can kill them. Yeah. We can jump around. Like we said, we can just jump around. That's right, yeah. Let's just talk about the Johns and why they're fucking incredible. But, like, so, yeah, they, they're they this, like, sweet, nice, great gay couple living in the Myers house. Just trying to vibe they, on Halloween. The Johns just being high and looking for a murderer in their house. Like, it, it, it's, like, a scary scene, but it's also, like, such a funny thing. <laughs> I do like that in your notes it makes you crave the simple suburban life. Yeah, man, like, just chilling, getting high on Halloween, listening to just spooky records and giving out candy to kids. Like, it's just nice. It makes me mm-hmm. feel nice. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously violently upended by an unstoppable psychopath. Uh, True. But, you know, they, I bet if they were alive, they wouldn't blame Lori. They'd be like, no, we were in Michael's house, and that's just fucking luck of the draw, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, man, they're um, great. With kids, first of all. Um, well, they are until they know the kids exactly. are little shits. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, even when they are. Like, those season of the witch kids that decide needlessly to prank people uh, by mm-hmm. breaking into their homes. Uh, they're like, you know what? Let's scare these kids. But, like, they know full well whose house they live in. They know mm-hmm. exactly what happened with Michael Myers. Um, you know, they... They're not really ashamed. I don't think they're ashamed of. They kind of represent that part of Haddonfield that's just kind of like, okay, you know, that's Michael Myers happened, but like, we're that didn't happen to me. See, I like actually now that Halloween kills it happens, then it happened to all of Haddonfield, traumatized everybody. I've had a theory given to me that I actually really like about the Johns that I choose to believe. What? Um, what is it? I choose to believe that they're realtors that had the Myers house for so long and they could never sell it. They just decided to make it their house. And so they Aww. made the best of it. Oh, um, that makes it even sadder. Right? Like, that's, that's, I like that theory. So I'm sticking with it. I do with too. It because yeah, I, like I think lot. it works. Especially because in the first movie, we saw that for so long it couldn't be sold 
back then when it was closer to murder why would it be able to yeah. be sold now that it's combined with another set of murders yeah uh, and we see that in ends they demolish the myers house yeah after, after michael is there place. they fucking get rid of that house and so michael no longer has a home base which we'll yeah, get into in no ends <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, so the poor Johns do end up getting murdered by Michael. And I kind of love that, much like how Michael creates art pieces with his bodies, um, he recreates he one of their them. pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of c- creepy, but cute. Yeah. Um, and then we, then we jump back to the car of Michael Hunters. Oh, um, man. I'm... Those season of the... Yeah, speaking of the season of the witch shit-stained kids... Uh, Michael only kills one of them, and I think yep. that's too few. Because um, those kids sucked. Yeah. Also, Michael needs to kill more kids to be associated as like this unstoppable force of violence. And I know we just did a whole episode on why that's wrong, but we don't see Michael's face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Hey man, more of those Sunny Valers could have gotten murdered. I don't give a shit. <laughs> um... But the town at this point is up in arms because they've heard a news report uh, at that bar where all the legacy characters were hanging out mm-hmm. that Michael escaped a mental institution uh, when a bus crashed, like we talked about in the first movie, because of mm-hmm. Dr. Sartain, and that a couple of uh, escapees are out there, and one of them is Michael. Yeah. So now everyone's spooked because they're like, Michael Myers could be anywhere, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The legacy characters are like, we're gonna fucking, we're gonna kill him, and then they take a bat, like I'm gonna fucking like bash his brains in, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they're so excited to kill Michael Myers, but little do they know that, like, again, he just killed fifteen firemen <laughs> without breaking a sweat. But, yeah, like he didn't need, like you're coming at him with bats. Like, come on, where are the mm-hmm. guns? Where's the where's the return of Michael Myers, like goon squad of like the local yokels with rifles? Yeah. Yeah, they go into some of these fights with that they think is going to be up against Michael very ill-prepared. My favorite yeah, I mean, background character of this movie is in the little fight at the end is the lady with her iron. I um, didn't even notice her. <laughs> that's my favorite. Did she get killed? I think so. Uh, I don't think she gets killed on screen, but it's an assumed death because she's in the crowd who fights Michael Myers at the end. Um, my favorite yeah, is she's the, my favorite uh, background guy. character. Oh, yeah. My favorite's the dude in the Tigger outfit. Uh, <gasps> yeah, you see him in the hospital when they're, like, chasing after the, the phony Michael Myers. And mm-hmm. you see him on the street when they're, like, kicking the shit out of him. And then you see him, like, get his throat slashed. And I'm like, damn, yeah. what an arc for this guy. I don't even know. <laughs> yes, you brought up something I do want to talk about with kills, which is one of the parts that I liked at first but has... Um, gotten worse for me on more rewatches. Oh, the hospital stuff? Which, no, is specifically the, like, fake out Michael Myers with yeah. um, the other inmate. Because, yeah. for one, he's short and stout like the penguin. He's not Michael yes. Myers. But um, they don't know that. They don't know that. Only a couple of them do. I know, but, like... I'm with you, that's something like, that you, you know. That's something that bugged me early on. <laughs> And what bugs me later on with his character in particular is how, again, Karen being the problematic character she is in this movie, is she does not go about trying to protect him in the right way. Because if she wanted to show that he wasn't dangerous, stay in the room with him. 
Don't lock him out. Don't lock him in a hallway from the outside and try to talk to the thousands of people who are running up the stairs trying to murder him. It's not going to work. And he's going to have to kill himself because he thinks there's no other way out. And that's a sad scene. It is a sad scene. It still gets me every time because I feel for this mental patient who, who knows why he was there. He, we don't know. He oh, was to just be fair, crazy. he could have done some other unspeakable... He was at an institute for the criminally insane with Michael Myers. I mean, yes. But you're right still. He didn't deserve to be, you know, lynched pretty much. Yeah. Um. I think the hospital stuff... I- I'm with you. I feel like it, it just serves to make me more upset at Karen's, like, clear, you know lack of grasp on the, the gravity of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it does speak to just, like, shock. Like, because the, the sheriff in the same scene is, like, overwhelmed by the panic of the crowd mm-hmm. um, when they see the mental patient that they think wrongly is Michael Myers enter the hospital because he needs help. Uh, mm-hmm. They think that he's there to kill Lori because they're still operating on the assumption that he's looking for Lori. Um, and, but... The, the hospital serves to make Haddonfield more of a character. Yes. So it, it now shows that Michael's influence, his legacy on Haddonfield being that of fear, it, it originally I kind of didn't like the direction they went with it with ends. I, I kind of did, but not in the, really the execution. Mm-hmm. But they, they, I can't say that they just made it up because they established it here in Kills that Michael Myers... The, the fear and the panic and the, the, the emotion that he brings out of the people that he, he haunts mm-hmm. is turning them into monsters themselves. Yes. Now, it's not like Michael is intentionally doing that. Again, Michael doesn't care, mm-hmm. but it's just like the horrible after effects of what not only does trauma do, but like it trauma makes people want to defend themselves against further trauma. Mm-hmm. And if you do it in the wrong way, you know, when your defensiveness can kill others or, in Lori's case, alienate your family mm-hmm. uh, and basically make you a social, you know, outcast, it it destroys people's lives still. Mm-hmm. And the only way that you can get past that, Lori shows in, in ends, and Haddonfield in the end shows in ends, is a you, you have to move on. You have mm-hmm. to put it to bed because it's not about you. Like, it's not mm-hmm. a personal thing that needs to haunt you, that you, you're you letting it in. Mm-hmm. Like, you make that choice. That's what ends was really all about. Yeah. So, yeah, the hospital scene is divisive. Um, it doesn't really make Karen any cooler. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of is the first time that uh, um, the gang kind of feels like, oh, maybe we're getting a little out of hand with this evil dies tonight shit. Mm-hmm. Because they are in way over their heads, and oh, yeah. nothing really demonstrates that more, aside from the ending, than uh, that car full of hunters and what happens to them when they go looking for Michael. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Let's, yes, <laughs> let's talk about their fate. Um, so this car is full of um, Lindsay Wallace, the nurse from the first movie, and two people they picked up um, at the bar who are a doctor and a nurse um, who live next door to Julian. One of my favorite characters from Halloween 2018. Julian's great. I love him. <laughs> um, and so they're in the car. They have some weapons. Uh, Lindsay sees the shithead season of the witch kids um, and is like, hey, you need to go the fuck home because there's a murderer out. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, we've seen him. And she's like, wait, wait, wait. Don't don't just say that. Go home. <laughs> yeah, well, no, wait, dude. Well, come on. <laughs> and so then Michael starts attacking the car and breaks the window by the nurse, freaking her out because that's what happened last time. Yeah. Um, and so she starts shooting wildly, which is a bad idea. You would think that she would learn from, like, Michael jumps up on the top of the car and does pretty much the same thing he did last time when he pulled her out of the car, mm -hmm. and she doesn't learn from that. Like, no. he does the same shit to her. <laughs> um, and so the doctor-nurse guy of the couple um, tries to strangle Michael Myers with a stethoscope when he gets in the car. Yeah, um, it works and it for doesn't about go half well. A second. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not gonna work, my friend. Um, so he yeah. gets stabbed in the eye, I think. Yeah, he gets stabbed um, in the eye. The nurse gets stabbed several times on the front seat, and then um, poor the doctors, poor doctor <laughs> wife girl, tr is so ready to shoot Michael Myers, and then the door of the car gets hit and hits the gun. It. He kicks it so he that it throws the her gun. Yeah, he kicks the door into the gun, so she shoots herself, which has got to like suck. <laughs> like, it's so hilarious. It's, <laughs> it's oh, like, it's so funny. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, uh, it's and, how unprepared they are. And Lindsay manages to evade Michael by running away and hiding, which is yeah. probably the best way to avoid Michael at this point. Uh, yeah, she's learning that, like, oh, maybe we don't fight him. Maybe we just, like, get the fuck out of his way. <laughs> Um, and that ends up sending Lonnie's car, which has Cameron and Allison, off to the Michael Myers house. Uh, speaking of Allison and Cameron, just for a second, it made me think of, um, in the hospital, uh, just one thing I want to touch on before we moved on to the endgame of this movie. Mm -hmm. um, the opening scene with the Strodes uh, and everyone like rendezvousing in the hospital in the aftermath of 2018... Mm -hmm. it's it's really good and it really sort like we've been talking a lot about this on fear street like our fear street series you know slashers humanizing their victims humanizing the trauma and the fallout of going through a slasher movie and losing your loved ones mm -hmm. you know allison lost her father karen lost her husband uh Lori lost a son-in-law obviously estranged but it's still a member of her family and someone that means a lot to allison and karen mm -hmm. and for them to bond over that was kind of good because they were so much at odds kind of going into this movie mm -hmm. because Allison was like, maybe we should give Lori like the time of day instead of just shutting her out and we should maybe validate some of her feelings. And mm -hmm. it's not until Karen loses her husband that she understands what that's like. Um, it also in the extended cut has one of the like saddest perpetuations of like the feeling of people losing their loved ones to this like random violence Mm -hmm. But, like, in the extended cut, they've got a scene where Karen's walking around kind of in a daze in the hospital before she's interviewed by uh, the sheriff. And she sees a, uh, like, the mortuary, the mortuary guy in the, you know, the, the morgue mm -hmm. uh, with a stiff on the table. And he's just kind of staring at it. It's this woman. And he's kind of staring in disbelief. And then Karen walks in and he looks at her, kind of shakes it off. He's like, you shouldn't be here. And gets very defensive. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, shit, I bet that was his wife that yeah. he just did not expect to show up on his table. And the same goes for, um, fuck, we just talked about him on Fear Street, but the kid who gets Oscar. impaled on that fence, Oscar. Oscar's mom shows up when, you know, the, the squad raids the hospital. And for some reason, they just leave the bodies out with the, with the blinds open and she mm -hmm. sees her son's dead body. 
And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this hospital is a, it's a, in a wash in like mm-hmm. emotional trauma from what happened. Yeah. And I think it, it's, it goes into Cameron and, and Allison's bit very well because she, like you were saying, immediately understands like, okay, we got to go kill Michael. We have to stop mm-hmm. him. It's the only way. Uh, Cameron and his cool, good dad, Lonnie. Uh, yeah. you, you can really tell that he cares for his son. Um, especially when they're like, because again, they don't know the shape is unstoppable. So when they get to the Myers house and he's like, okay, I'm going in alone. But like, he has a good touching moment with his son. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, your dad's totally going to get murdered in there. But like, it's sweet that he cares for you. Yeah. 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 So Lonnie goes in alone and lasts a whole like 30 seconds before they hear screaming from the inside. <laughs> yeah. Like and it's, it's like under a minute before he's dead. <laughs> So Cameron and Allison head into the house looking for Lonnie and therefore Michael. And that's when they find the John's bodies uh, in their picture form. Yeah. Uh, Cameron and, then... and Allison do a pretty cool sweep of the downstairs. Like, she's got a shotgun. Cameron's mm-hmm. got a handgun. Like, they are good to go. Yeah, they are uh, And they have a pretty good system, too. And then um, Michael shows up and starts obliterating Cameron. Yeah, again, it's not even fair. Like, Cameron didn't stand a chance. Not even a little bit, no. And because Cameron also just saw his dad's dead body in the attic before, right before he starts getting attacked. So he's got, like, that one-two punch of, oh, your dad's dead, and now you're gonna die. Yeah, and um, like we were saying, Michael breaks people, uh, and he breaks Cameron's uh, neck and back pretty efficiently. Uh, as Allison shows up, because he kind of he throws Allison down the stairs and then goes and to work breaks on her, her leg. Yeah, she gets pretty fucked up. Yeah, her um, leg breaks on her fall down the stairs, so she is and out. She is out of the fight. Yeah, like she's grounded. Like the gun is away from her. Michael is taking his sweet time killing Cameron in front of her. Well, then he lumbers towards her, mm-hmm. and if it wasn't for Karen, Allison would be fucking dead too. Yep. You're like an under a night. Karen shows up, stabs him in the back with a pitchfork, takes his mask because she feels like he needs it or something. I don't know. Karen's like and all over she's the board. Right. But she is right because right. the shape needs it so much that he's willing to overlook killing Allison. And like, if you're going to distract the shape from killing, like you must do something really important. Mm-hmm. So then they, and, yeah, they lead him into a full assault filled with, like, 20 townspeople who managed to ground Michael Myers and get him to the ground, but then he puts on the mask, and it's all over for them. Yeah, like, and it's really cool. I have the extended cut, and uh, it, I don't know, I think it's the same in the regular movie, but, like, it kind of just ends, the movie, the whole thing really ends with um, this, like, over her, like, it's, what's it called? Um, Spoken conversation with uh, the Hawkins. With Hawkins and Laurie mm-hmm. um, over Michael killing all of these people, mm-hmm. uh, including um, uh, Tommy, Tommy with Doyle. the bat that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just like it's just them basically being like the shape is a force of na- a force of nature. It cannot be stopped. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael has a grip of fear on Haddonfield that he can do anything with now. Like we've he's escaped pretty much. Mm-hmm. He's in the wind. He's killed anyone that's come after him. You know, he, he could be anywhere. 
And now, that fact is so terrifying. And I do want to talk about the difference between the theatrical cut and the extended cut's very last scene. Because yes. they are very different, and I now like one more than the other, and it's different Which than I one? used to. Um, okay. So in both, um, Michael shows back up to his house after having just murdered all the people who tried to kill him, and kills Karen, who's standing where he used to stand. Yeah, he fucking um, just, he really kills, he brutally stabs her to death. And in the theatrical cut, that is the end of the movie. That is the last yeah. thing you see. In the extended yeah. cut... Um, Lori calls Karen's phone and Michael picks up and yeah, Lori yeah. recognizes the breathing and says, I'm coming to, st- I'm coming to stop you and starts walking out of the hospital. And that's where the extended cut ends right. now. Cause I think originally that was what ends was going to be. So here's where I have issues with the extended cut. Now having seen ends. Yeah. Ends has a time now. jump. So yep. that ending doesn't work for me because she's not on her way out the door anymore. I like the theatrical cut if it's leading into ends. Um, if ends started in a, any different way than it does, the extended cuts ending could have worked for me. And I initially really liked the extended cuts ending. But with how the series progresses, I'm not as big a fan of it anymore. So that time jump, originally I felt like what they might have done was have the time jump, but it was going to be, you know, extended ending or not, Lori going, leaving the hospital, you know, obviously not in shape to fight, runs into the shape, and the shape kills her, and then leaves Haddonfield. And then Mm -hmm. it's like, all right, so you lost. Like, everybody lost. You Mm -hmm. know, Halloween night 2018, everybody lost. And then now... This is, you know, the reality of Haddonfield now. So why is Kills specifically the way that it just is in the franchise? What makes it a solid Halloween movie and important to the franchise for you? For me, the biggest thing that Kills contributes is in the title. It's the Kills. This is the most brutal Michael Myers we have ever seen and probably will ever see. Despite him being the the oldest he is other than ends and the most like battle damaged because he's just been in a house fire and then almost taken out by a town full of people. He still has this brutality to him, which granted never gets too extreme that I don't think your average movie watcher could handle it, but it goes the extra mile that most Halloween movies wouldn't. And so I really like the movie in how, doesn't stray away from that brutality that it could have easily walked away from. Yeah. And that's, I think why it's very important to the franchise because not only does it continue a really good storyline, but it does so in another new way, which is something I think horror franchises should always be striving to do is try something new. Right. And I mean, for one time, for the first time in a while, if ever, it was a slasher movie that the good guys lost. Like, Michael mm-hmm. wins. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they, they don't stop him. Uh, and I think a lot of people had problems with how this movie felt on its own, um, that it didn't really work as a standout movie, which is fine, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. They can believe it, despite the fact that it's a two movie. Um, but what this movie does, from why I love it a lot, and why I think it's important to the franchise is... 
when I saw 2018, I had been watching the Halloween movies for several years. Mm-hmm. I really liked Michael Myers as a villain, not because he was just like a good slasher or whatever, but because he wasn't like a man. It was a lot more interesting to think about the shape and not mm-hmm. Michael Myers. Um, you know, giving him relatives and linking his powers with, you know, the devil or whatever, mm-hmm. that serves to kind of make him not as interesting to me. But thinking about him as more than a man and something that a disembodied force that people don't understand that cannot be stopped is inhabiting, that was really cool to me. So mm-hmm. with Kills, especially because it's like pretty much the same night as 2018, which is like the, my favorite Halloween movie, mm-hmm. it's like my favorite Halloween movie happens. And then not only that, but between the two movies, with the second be- having the most amount of kills and demonstrations of this basically rewrites the franchise and says, no, he's more than a man. He's unstoppable. He's violent. And the only thing that you can do to stop him is, and then I was hoping that would be stopped. That would be talked about in ends. Mm -hmm. So that's just where I was going into ends. So that's where a lot of my thoughts came from. But I think that that's why kills is so good to the franchise. Just for me personally, because Mm -hmm. it, it has everything that you said and it, does it paints a different picture of Michael Myers than maybe has been directly addressed in the franchise so far. Mm-hmm. So that's why I thought ends was going to end up differently, but in tra- in classic Halloween fashion, expectations are subverted mm-hmm. and it does something unexpected with yes. the third movie. So let's talk about, so let's talk about Halloween ends. ends. Uh, 2022, I mean, it came out like two weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. our time, at least the time of recording. I say three weeks um, ago as been, of the episode. And we've known about it since 2019, maybe? Correct. When they announced that they dropped both of the... Uh, they dropped them uh, a year the after each dates, other. But, yeah, they the release dates and the names of the movies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man... I really just like to think about the concept of Halloween ends when we, I know when we were like waiting for it, it was like, it was like the second coming. Like it was like, it could be (laughs) anything. Like what, what's it going to be? And I think that had we not had that, like if you just watch all three of these movies back to back, maybe you'll enjoy it more because you don't have that like build and build and build of like, holy shit, man, Halloween kills just did this. Like now what? Mm hmm. <clears throat> um, so I do want to get into a little bit before we actually talk about what happens in the movie. I want to talk a little bit about how this movie was made, um, because initially this movie was supposed to be filmed right after Halloween kills. They opted to drop that plan when the Halloween kills shooting schedule was very intense and they wanted to give themselves a little bit of a break in between the movies, which granted, I completely understand. It also gave them the, Pande- the 2020 pandemic to rework yeah. some things that they weren't 100% certain on yet. Um, the initial uh, version of the script was written in 2019 and it was finalized in 2021 prior to Halloween Kills releasing. So it was still before Halloween Kills audience reception had happened. So they were still going yeah. based off of their initial idea. Um, David Gordon Green, the director, and Danny McBride wanted to make this movie very different from the action film that they called Halloween Kills, and he wanted this to be a bit closer to a coming-of-age and a love story, um, kind of like uh, 
John Carpenter's Christine from 1983. Yep. There's a lot of Christine in this movie. There is a lot. And he also wanted a much more optimistic and hopeful ending to this after Kills had a very bleak ending. Yeah, um, just to, again, like, the expectation of where do you go from Michael wins. So, let's talk about where they go. Yep, let's talk about the opening Uh scene. So yeah, this movie opens a year after the events of Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills, which is Halloween night 2019, um, where um, new babysitter, Corey, um, is taking his first babysitting gig to um, watch over a kid who his parents are like, hey, this kid's a little freaked out because of all that happened last year, so just like make sure he goes to bed on time and everything will be okay. And Corey's like, okay, this will be super easy. And then the kid's a piece of shit. Okay, this fucking kid is, like, the kids from uh, 2018, like the kid, like the babysitting kids that they, like, you know, mm-hmm. normally have. It's like if they were a bastard. Like, Julian is fun. This kid is not fun. Yeah. This kid's mean. No, this kid's <laughs> actively trying to freak out his babysitter and locks him in an attic. At the top of, like, a spiral staircase. Which, first Danny, of all, spiral staircases are fun, but they're dangerous. It's a really spooky visual, too. It's a very instantly yeah. iconic visual, too. I think this house is very cool. Uh, because it com- it comes to basically be the new Myers house. But in a different mm-hmm. way than you expect. And it's creepy. Yes. It's creepy on the inside. Danny, describe uh, for us what Corey is like. What's his deal? So Corey is a nerdy little guy who's taking a year off before he goes to college to save up some money. Um, he's not very um, how, do, how should, brave. Um, he's, he's kind of like kind the of... kid that probably got bullied a lot, but then like kind of grew mm-hmm. up, and then they were just kind of like left him alone. But he still kind of has yeah. that. I don't mean this in a wrong way, but like pussy sort of like when you look at him, like this kid's a pushover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so when he decides to try to break out of the attic that he's locked in, um, it accidentally hits the kid who's just on the other side of the door and knocks him off of the stairwell, which means that this movie starts off by killing a kid, which is something that... And is specifically killing the kid who is being babysat and not killing the babysitter, which is a direct change from all of the other Halloween movies. This is the first one where the focus on the first kill is on the child, which I think sets up for how this movie's kind of going to flip some things on its head throughout the entire movie. Yes. This movie is a very interesting fun house mirror inversion of what the franchise is as a whole. And it kind Mm -hmm. of works in that sense to do something unexpected and different but also mm-hmm. clearly show that there are connections and parallels to Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. It also serves to be a huge shock. It's extremely upsetting. Uh, and then it f- smash cuts into the uh, opening credits. The theme is way scarier, yeah. I will say. Uh, the yeah. score of this movie is legitimately unsettling and frightening. It's an incredible mm-hmm. score. Um, and uh, the opening credits... The pumpkins, they do something different with the pumpkins every time, and it's always symbolic. 
mm-hmm. it's several different pumpkins growing out of the same pumpkin and kind of just like falling mm-hmm. back, being replaced over and over and over again until it's a blank pumpkin pulled apart mm-hmm. with guts inside, like blood and guts inside. And mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, this is symbolic. Like the first time I watched it, I'm like, this means something, but like, let me rewatch it and see if it does. And it absolutely I does. I do, I do want to also point out something that was definitely a very um, a distinct creative choice is that in Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and now Halloween Ends, each of the title cards has the same font yep. as Halloween 1978, Halloween yeah. 2, and Season of the Witch. Yes. Which lets you know what kind of movie you're in for. It let everybody they know each right correlate away to it them. would be different. <laughs> yes. Whether good, bad, or indifferent, yeah. this will be a very different movie than the last two ones we have seen, which is very true. The score even is reminiscent of Season of the Witch. Like, if you listen mm-hmm. to both of these soundtracks, like there's a lot of similar like similar sounds. Like the score is more synthy. Uh, in a different, more '80s way than uh, the the past movies have been, it picks up different parts like of the melody of the uh, mm-hmm. of the score be, like, right away, being like it's it's Halloween adjacent, like it's the same wavelength just separate. Um, mm-hmm. So they and they really do a good job upon a second viewing of making that aspect work because we'll say mm-hmm. it up top, um, Corey. And Michael are the killers in this movie. There are two. Yes, Michael is not the only killer. Yes. And in fact, it's very important to the story of this movie that Michael, A, is not the only killer, and that Corey is trying to pick up the mantle of Michael Myers. And I say trying very specifically, because he is not actively doing it well. And I I think that's a major importance of this movie. I think this is where a really interesting... uh, discussion can happen just into eternity really because uh, I, I view Corey a little bit differently in that sense where I don't necessarily see him as trying to take up the mantle but it's certainly uh, the shape has spread to another person and it's using their darkness to formulate their own you know Michael Myers it's when see, he turns into Michael Myers that I'm with you 100% but, like, the first half of his arc, where before he dresses as Michael, I felt like, okay, this is them trying to do its, you know, another killer at the same time sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Here's where I will start to disagree with you a little bit. In, in no, like, foul way, I don't think anything. Of course, yeah. This is I? Halloween ends. Um, it's not personal. <laughs> I say, we don't, we don't have that deep of feelings about this movie either way. Um, we're yeah. not trying to say anybody who hates it is stupid. We're not saying anybody yeah. who likes it is if stupid. If anything, this we shows that appreciative can of like this it. movie. Yeah, if anything, this shows that people can like it for different reasons, because it's a good movie. Um, I think the biggest thing that separates Corey from The Shape, let alone Michael Myers, in this trilogy is that unlike The Shape, Corey is doing everything based off of what's most beneficial to him. He's his, The people he kills, are, except for the accident in the beginning of the movie, are all very personal vendettas he has. And that's so true. that's the biggest difference for me, because Michael Myers kills because they are in his way. Corey kills because they have spited. Er, spited? 
Yeah, Spurs. spurned him in the past. They've been mean uh, to him. <laughs> they've bullied him. He is brought back to his childhood since to when he was bullied, and now he's trying to take back the power against it. He's a Tommy Doyle type, yeah. who instead of going against the evil in the world, decides to join the evil because he f- sees how quickly and efficiently it can kill and take over the world. Yeah, remember because he's what we seen about... what Michael Myers has done. Oh yeah, like remember what we talked about with "Let Me In." Like, there's something to be said about weak people, victimized people. Uh, having a strange attraction to the same type of violence that victimized them in the first place. Like, mm-hmm. in his case, it's less about that violence was, like, done to him and more about, like, repressed, you know, feelings of frustration and rumination have led to this. Like, mm-hmm. these people that bully him represented more than just the individual it represented the type of person that looked at him and saw something that he didn't want to be. So mm-hmm. in that sense, I, I felt like the Michael Myers edition of like him wanting to do that, it was almost like him trying to don something that he views as scarier. Like It's like him trying to be a Batman. Like it's, If he mm-hmm. becomes Michael Myers and does the things that he wants to do, you know, like the shape still has inhabited him. It's still corrupting him. Like we can see that very clearly in him. Uh, mm-hmm. But because of that, you know, Corey is still in there. Corey is still wondering what's going on with him. He's not completely mm-hmm. gone yet. And I think if if he had gotten to that period, maybe he would have escalated to like like a completely random violence, like Michael. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, that's what's cool is it can work either way. And I think it's really mm-hmm. good and interesting either way. Well, and I was talking to you about this off air. I don't remember if it was this week or last week, but um, I view Corey in this movie in a very, not necessarily a very similar, but in a same conceptual way as I view Amanda and John Kramer's relationship. That's actually a really good Saw point. 2 and 3. Right, um, because it's people who don't understand the exact mindset of that person, but they can use the rough estimation the of what they approximate too. it to, yeah, in order to take it over. And it's in the same way that both of them are, both Corey and Amanda are quote unquote spared by their main killer that they then become a secondary to, and they both bring a new revitalization to the killers. Yeah. Amanda brings or helps John with more of his traps. And in this one, Corey literally brings Michael back to essentially to life. Yeah, man. By I love him that a victim they do that. to kill. It took me I a bit to that figure that out, this. but you're absolutely right. Like I originally, I was like, what the fuck is Michael's deal? Like what's, what's going on here? But yeah, like the shape, whatever drives Michael Myers feeds on death. It feeds on taking life. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's, like, a specifically, like, it's eating their souls, which would be kind of cool and also weird. But, like, it mm-hmm. at the very least drives the shape. So Corey yeah. feeding it, getting him back, because he even says it in a kind of a cringy way, I will admit, but, like, that he wants to be like Michael. He wants to be – I feel like mm-hmm. he wants to turn off those emotions. Because, like, yeah. Michael is gone. There is no Michael Myers anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. And Corey maybe feels that the Corey in him is inadequate. 
because the Corey part of him is the one that's afraid and weak. Uh, and mm-hmm. if he can become something else, just like Michael, uh, w- under Michael's guidance and tutelage, uh, he can become something more than just Corey Campbell. And I mm-hmm. think with that, can we talk for a second just about all the parallels between Corey Please. and Michael? Yes. Okay, so for one, the alliterative names. Michael Myers, M.M., Corey, Ca- uh, Corey Campbell. Cunningham. Cunningham, sorry. Yeah, it was Campbell or Cunningham. Yeah, C.C., um, he works in a junkyard, has a jumpsuit that he wears all the time, uh, has an already kind of vacant stare, just already. Uh, he's got mm-hmm. very dark black eyes, for lack of a better word, just like Michael was said to have had. Um, a couple times when he's a little bit further down the like road to becoming a full-blown evil prick, he does the like mm-hmm. Michael Myers setup. Uh, he's been yeah. shown to be exceptionally strong. Uh, I wrote that before I thought really that it's more that when he was wrestling with Michael, it just was proof that Michael was not as strong. Uh, but he's still pretty strong. I mean, he crushes that uh, can of uh, that glass bottle of chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, and he wears a harmless childlike mask that he murders in. Yeah, his first murder is in a child mask. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, what's also kind of funny, to, he's just a dumb looking guy. But the mask mm-hmm. makes him scary. Like, he's not a very threatening-looking individual just on a base. He kind of looks mm-hmm. like the Brahms boy from The Boy meets Corey Feldman from Friday the 13th Part 4. Where, like, it's just mm-hmm. kind of like a combined... Because at the time, I'm like, okay, is he, like, a setup? He was. Uh, yes. But I'm like, this, is, this character is interesting. I was very interested by who he was. So, like... I don't, I don't think that people should shit on the character, and they certainly should not shit on the actor. Uh, the actor did mm-hmm. not write the movie. The actor did not make those choices. The actor does yeah. great with the, actor the is material great. he is given. Yes, uh, and it's just, it just feels weird, and he is a very, like, I would say, like, not threatening-looking individual. So when he's trying to look scary, it just feels a little different for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I like that they sh- the first time they show Michael in this movie is with him exper- was is with Corey experiencing Michael because Michael is shown in this movie to essentially just be killing to survive by he'll just take homeless people from under the bridge into the sewers to kill them very quickly. Yeah, man, he's been already, killing all this time because he's in a weakened state. Yeah, he's been killing for four years, essentially in secret. Because he yeah, doesn't that, have his normal home base. That's why they have those missing persons uh, billboards up on the interstate. Uh, the homeless man kind of alludes to the fact that he's seen Michael take people inside. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, like, because he has to survive. The shape dies if it's trapped in Michael's body and can't kill. Yes. Um, and so... I'm just going to put this out there, and then I'm going to try to move on past it, because I don't want to talk about it. Uh, Allison? Um, I don't like Allison in this movie. Yeah, I was I actually going to say we should probably just mention with... it now. Because, yeah, I don't want to poke on anything that uh, isn't, like, very positive. Because, again, we've mentioned we are a very positive podcast. Yeah. We are trying to find the good in things. In that sense, I don't want to talk about Allison, because I don't have a lot of good to talk about how I feel what they did with her character. Yeah. Um, I I understand why she's having this phase because it's obvious that she's been having a hard time coming to terms with everything. She hasn't she probably hasn't been through a good 
bit of therapy. No, and so she's she trying hasn't. to find her way through finding these like bad boys that she thinks she can fix, which is how she reassociates fixing Michael Myers and her past. Here's but the, yeah, I don't yeah. like how that's done in this movie. I think that it's a half-baked concept for a character, especially when you've already demonstrated the type of person that she is. And I think the choice to have that be her track record is purely just in service to set up her and Corey. So it's not necessary, mm-hmm. and I think that's a mistake. However, it is interesting to parallel Allison with Lori after 1978. We learn mm-hmm. that Lori went did not take that very well, obviously. Um, I said Lori did the same thing. Yeah, Lori, and well, maybe not the same thing, but she definitely did well, not exhibit a lot of good, you know, life choices after she, mm-hmm. after what happened to her. And Allison, here's just where I feel like it differs: is that Allison isn't Lori. Allison had mm-hmm. support. Allison had Lori. And yeah. seemed to have her life more or less together. And I just mm-hmm. kind of felt like it was an interesting, unexpected, I don't, I believe unbelievable thing for them to do. But it does serve to set up Lori, which I think we can mm-hmm. spend a lot more positive time talking about Lori in Halloween Ends. I really like what this movie does with Lori. Uh, me too, um, man. It's I'm it's just going to say nice. that straight out the gate. I also yeah. love Jamie Lee Curtis, and I love that she had such a care about what they did with Jamie with uh, Laurie Strode in this movie. Yeah, it and does it's feel that like she likes where it ends up with. I think that very much was like they probably asked her, like when they sat down to do more movies, they're probably like, mm-hmm. okay, the condition is that Jamie gets to decide what happens with Laurie, and because mm-hmm. this feels right, this feels like someone yeah. who knows Laurie so well, like Jamie Lee Curtis does to put an end to Lori's story this way because like, because we know yeah. this is the last time we are seeing Jamie Lee Curtis as Lori Strode. Yeah. She has been very open about that. And you know, it's like, we wanted Lori to die. Like we, at least I did. I thought it would have been, it would have fit the plot very nicely from what they were setting up to have Lori die. I can absolutely see why that's not the route they wanted to go with. I wholeheartedly mm-hmm. agree having seen what they did with that. Because Lori mm-hmm. is doing so much better. Like, what tremendous, lovely, sweet growth from mm-hmm. the worst period of her life to healthy. We learn right out of the gate that she is writing a memoir as therapy, pretty much. That she, mm-hmm. you know, like, what's happened in the years since? She's like, as she got better, bought a house in a neighborhood, started living in with Allison, trying to have a life again, as she got better... Haddonfield got worse. Mm-hmm. Like, Haddonfield is sick, but Lori is not. And it's okay that we can still focus on Lori when she's not sick. Because, oh my sweet Satan, Danny. Her and Hawkins? Are you kidding me? So cute. So Ugh, cute. The whole, I wanted a whole movie of just them with, like, witty bands at the supermarket. It was so mm-hmm. lovely and sweet and good. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's really important to note that as Lori has gotten, as we as we said, healthier while the town has gotten worse, she's still not afraid to see 
the worst sides of Haddonfield. She yeah. understands the evil this town has, and that's why I think she can figure out what's going on with Corey before everyone else can. She knows what to look out for. She's just trying to move on to a point where that's not the only thing she looks for. She's looking for the good things in life. She's looking for Hawkins. She's happy to talk to him at the grocery store. Right. But yeah. she also notices the things that can cause things to go wrong, which is why at first she tries to set up Corey and Allison before she starts to see how Corey has this downward spiral he's starting on. It's almost like we can actually blame Lori for this killer more than we can blame her for Michael Myers. <laughs> Correct. Uh, but that's the other yeah. thing that I feel like is why she does what she, the suicide fake out at the near the end of the movie is because she knows that this isn't Michael because Corey's doing things on a personal basis. Michael wouldn't care if she was... Yeah, Michael wouldn't come for suicide her. call. Mike, yeah, Michael wouldn't come for her unless he, she was already in her path, like she is when he comes for his mask, because yes. that becomes his priority, and that's why she, there's that final altercation between the two of them, because she yeah. is there. Corey is actively searching her out to try to distance Allison from everyone else, so that only he can have her. Which is a walking That's red a flag. Weird, yeah, that whole but. thing is weird, and I kind of want to just avoid that because it doesn't make any sense to me with what I feel like they were trying to do with the characters. But mm-hmm. on on your point about Lori, uh, just how like she's not she's no fool. She she absolutely still knows. And at the time, I was kind of like this movie. I feel like ignored a lot of Halloween kills. In like, mm-hmm. dude, Michael Myers was this unstoppable evil that you can't kill, and now you're thinking that that evil doesn't exist anymore. Like it, I was lost for a while, but I feel like having that See, sense of the growth between believing in that ultimate evil, that's something you can't fight against. That's not something that works mm-hmm. to have you move on and accept the moving on and accepting part is to know that, okay, maybe that violent, unspeakable, unstoppable evil does exist, but like every other type of, you know, human capacity for violence and death and misery, you can't control it. So all mm-hmm. you need to do is look out for it when it's in your immediate area and look out for it within yourself. So in that, because so, Lori talks about the two types of evil, uh, mm-hmm. one being basically the Halloween kills evil of Michael Myers and the evil that you can let into yourself, like we see with Corey. She can believe yeah. in both because they both do exist it's just that Michael Myers is like the point zero 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 one percent of the time that it's real. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the biggest thing that shows the growth of Lori is that rather than that she doesn't believe in the evil anymore, it's that she's not giving the evil the power anymore. Right. She's like, not why giving it all it? of her attention. Because yeah. the more attention she gives it, the more power it has over her so she can't overcome it if it comes back. Because she knows Michael Myers could well still be out there, yeah. and she just doesn't know where, which is why she gets the upper hand in the final fight. Well, and because it's why she doesn't, she hasn't spent so long worrying about it. Yep. She's just still ready from what she did do in the past. Yeah. Well, and it serves to have it be like back in the day when she, Michael when she escaped Michael Myers, she was under the assumption that he was always going to come for her. So in mm-hmm. she was preparing for that inevitability. Now that she's yes. understood that Michael didn't target her, she kind of has that like extra degree of that it's not about her, so she can move on from that. And, and kind mm-hmm. of just have her own life and be like, yeah, Michael could show up again, but, like, he won't come for me. But 
Corey, yeah. she's like, oh, that's an immediate threat to me and my loved ones. I need to stop that. Mm-hmm. I've and then, just, yeah, we have... Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, we, ha- we have our final fight between Jamie... Or not Jamie. Lori and Michael after Michael kills Corey to get his own mask back. Because Corey would have been fine if he had kept killing as the creepy scarecrow mask... But it's because he goes after Michael's mask, which is the thing that's most important to him, is the reason that Corey dies in this movie. If Corey didn't do that, it could have been about the circle or the cycle of evil in the town. But because he had his own hubris, Michael had to prove to him that he is not the same as Michael. Before we talk about the final fight, can we just talk Mm -hmm. for a second about the junkyard? Yeah, for sure. Like... Okay, so we've talked a bit about Corey in terms of like who he is in service of the story, what he serves as like a for his narrative. But I mean, there is a point where he decides that he's going to take on the mantle of Michael Myers and become the new mm-hmm. shape because that's what's going to make him feel the most, you know, feared and and revered and not seen as weak. So he takes Michael's mask conveniently already has a jumpsuit because he works at mm-hmm. a junkyard with his for his stepfather. Uh, you know he he firstly kills his mother in a very Rob Zombie mm-hmm. Halloween way, like he just kills his family. Um, mm-hmm. Go he lures these kind of like neighborhood kids that have been giving him shit because this guy lets high schoolers give him shit. Yeah, he uh, lets band kids. Yeah, bully he him. lets band. Yeah, good point. He let band kids bully him. Like that, Come pro- on. that shows you where he was at. at like that that's point how low in his life. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh shit! I forgot just for a second too. Like that whole Halloween party scene where he's out with Allison having a good time, and he meets the mom of the kid that he unintentionally murdered, and she just mm-hmm. like explodes on him, and he was like not ready for it at all. Like he is just constantly like rolling over and showing his belly, and then people just kick the shit out of him. So, like, can you Mm -hmm. blame him for wanting to come back in this sense? And I think that's why, in this scene especially, at the junkyard, the movie does become John Carpenter slash Stephen King's Christine. Like, the Mm -hmm. guy, I mean, it's about, we'll probably cover it someday, but it's about a shy, meek loser who gets this car that fills him with this confidence and violent protection to turn him basically into an asshole who doesn't care about anything but the car. In this mm-hmm. case, Corey turns from, like, wallflower loser to bad boy with Allison. It kind of is stupid, and honestly, I just want to ignore it. But it comes mm-hmm. to a head in this scene when he's like, you know what? Fuck these kids. I'm going to kill them. Lures them to this junkyard and then murders them. In, in a very, very creative ways. creative, scary way. Uh, mm-hmm. the music is great. It felt very much like a Halloween four or five when like, it's just someone else wearing the Michael Myers mask. Cause like mm-hmm. they kind of have that shot where he's looming over that girl before he kills her. And he looks just mm-hmm. like Dick Warlock from Halloween two. And I'm like, Oh, that's kind of yeah. cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, we can talk okay. about him dying. Sorry, I just really want to talk about the Junkyard. I thought it was no, so cool. Yeah, it was such like a throwback to like the early Halloween movies that I really enjoyed. I do want to also talk really quickly about the DJ kill because oh, that yeah. was the gnarliest kill of the Dude, movie. Dude, yeah, of course. 
um, where he essentially like cut part of the jaw off of a dude. And this DJ still uses like vinyls. And so when his vinyl is spinning, his tongue is on the vinyl and it keeps skipping over the same part because the tongue is on there. Ugh. It's Gross, so nuts, too, because so then cool. he sets that whole fucking radio station on fire and all the cops go there instead of where he goes to go, you know, eventually try to kill Lori. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now we can talk about the fight. And yeah. So, man, that whole suicide fake out, like, lead up, like, I could, I mm-hmm. almost felt like the, the, the vibe of the theater I was in shifted. We're like, oh no, like, it's time. Bro, She's I was so live. scared. I, I mean, I was like, what the fuck? She's going to try to kill herself? But even so, I'm like, this is going to be where they fight. Like, this is mm-hmm. it. And again. Yeah, this is the final stand. He's only there because Corey shows up to kill her because he feels like she's going to take Allison from her from him. It doesn't really matter. But the mm-hmm. point is that he kills himself. Right as right Allison, as Allison shows walks up, in. And then, mm-hmm. which causes her to needlessly freak out and leave so that Lori can fight the shape in peace because he shows up to mm-hmm. get his mask and finds Lori. Yep. What did and you granted, think was going to happen? Not a, <laughs> I knew it was going to be a big final fight. Um, but frankly, what I thought was going to happen, and it almost did for a second, was um, as. Lori pinned down Michael all except for that one arm. I thought that she was going to be content and the movie was going to be content with them both dying in each Me other's arms. Essentially with each other. Which I honestly would have been okay with. But um, I do kind of like that Allison showed up and finally did the last incapacitation of Michael by breaking his last good arm. Yeah. Um. And then I love the procession that everyone goes up to the sheriff and is like, this is not how we do things. And the sheriff is like, shut the fuck up. Michael Myers is dead. We are taking advantage of this. How fucking profound. Like, even the music during that, it is silent. But not mm-hmm. for this very, like, climactic type Halloween-ish mute, like, song that is basically all the residents of Haddonfield, all the people that have been victimized by Michael Myers over the years. Like, we see... The woman who got stabbed in the throat with the fluorescent light, fucking, uh, oh God, I always forget his name, but um, the kid from 2018, the, the Julian. baby, yeah, Julian, he's there as a you know grown, more grown adult. Uh, mm-hmm. You know they've they've strapped Michael to the their, the top of their car, and they're just single filing down to the junkyard where they can destroy his body, which is what Loomis said all those years ago was the only way to stop him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where I want to talk a little bit about one of the almost alternate endings that they ended up not going with. Please, I'm so um, excited. And I'm actually this. I'm actually really glad they didn't go with it because I don't think it works with how the movie flowed and it could have made for a very different movie if they had kept this ending. Yeah. But um initially when they were destroying Michael and then they throw the mask in you were supposed to see on the back of the mask was the silver shamrock logo. No! And that, that had been no! controlling it the entire time. Oh! And that's why the shape would have transferred with the mask. That's... Without the mask, Michael is just a man. And I don't know how I would have felt about that ending. Can you imagine um, what the internet would have done 
if they sniped the, the 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 glorious Halloween franchise with like it was all secretly about Season of the Witch, Kevin Dillon would throw a parade <laughs> in the streets and I would have killed him with my bare hands. <laughs> So, yeah, they didn't go with that, but that was almost an ending to this movie. Thank fucking Christ they didn't go for that. Uh, But, yeah, that is Halloween Ends. So, there's one more thing that I would just want to say, or the two more things, after they destroy Michael. um, Mm -hmm. And they actually do kind of put a conclusion, uh, not only on the movie, but on the franchise in general. Uh, Lori finishes her memoir... Uh, with some very mm-hmm. striking words that I feel like are very poignant, especially when you look at this movie and the whole franchise in general. Uh, is she, she concludes her, her memoir with, uh, evil doesn't die, it changes shape. So mm-hmm. I think that that's interesting because whatever the shape is, whatever the pure evil is uh, that piloted Michael, that drove Michael to do the things that he did and revives him, made him more than just a man... Uh, whatever it is, at at this point, it doesn't really matter, but Mm -hmm. when, when you come face to face with it, uh, it, it takes, it, it takes root in something very personal to you. It finds a way to Mm -hmm. take your darkest moment, make you fixate on that until it completely consumes you, uh, with a need to kind of lose yourself and eventually just become nothing more than a vessel for pure evil that all you do mm-hmm. is, is cause pain and misery and you survive on doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think that's why Michael Myers always goes home. He goes to the Myers house because that's his dark moments when he murdered his sister. And that's why mm-hmm. Corey goes to the house of the family of the kid that he killed because that's mm-hmm. where his dark moment was. That's what consumes him. And I, I think that it just serves to... It does actually connect kills to this movie very well. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I also just really like that there's a really sweet, silent ambience to the last few shots of the movie. Very much like mm-hmm. the original one, how it ended with shots of areas that the shape had haunted, for lack of a better word, with mm-hmm. the theme playing and his breathing off camera to show that the shape is haunting these areas and the shape still lingers. Um, Mm -hmm. But not only do they invert that by having silent ambient shots of Lori's house, they also have a silent ambient shot of the mask on Lori's coffee table. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean like, oh, shit, they should have destroyed the mask. The mask is just a mask now. The shape Mm -hmm. is gone. Like Michael is gone. That mask means nothing. So it's just a mask now. And that's how you defeat that shape. If you can get Mm -hmm. rid of that and move on from it and not let it haunt you still. And I think that that's yeah. a very cool way of looking at it. It's not what I expected. Um, that mm-hmm. doesn't mean at all that it is bad. Um, I think in terms of the franchise, it's great that it included homages to Season of the Witch and Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, in mm-hmm. most opinions, two of the most reviled uh, Halloween movies, save the Rob Zombie ones, which it also served to reference uh, with mm-hmm. Corey and his origins. Uh, reference Halloween yeah. 2 with the doctor nurse thing. We didn't even talk about that kill. Uh, but it's, it was, it's the first one that Michael and Corey murdered together. Team up kill. Yeah, it was kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the fact that the Lori in the Halloween 2, the Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, 
was insufferable and a victim to her trauma, kind of like Allison, um, as well as a lot of notes from Season of the Witch with the font, the music, the vibe, the going in a different direction kind of thing. So I think that mm-hmm. like the other movies, especially Halloween 2018, it serves as a great, like, you don't need to watch all the Halloween movies. You just have to watch these three if you want to know mm-hmm. what Halloween is like in a whole gift wrapping yeah. bundle. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that this movie takes some of the lesser loved children of the Halloween franchise and gives it a new appreciation and yeah, finds it a shows new love why they matter. It. Yeah. Man, what do you think yeah. about this one in terms of uh, like its position in the franchise? Well, I mean, kind of going off of that, I think it's important to note that this is the one that is a love letter to the lesser-loved movies of the franchise, and it still does that in a way, again, taking a new direction with it, trying something new, doing something with these characters, and giving that... I I really like the finality it gives Lori, especially with her happy ending with oh. uh, with Frank Hawkins. Bro, they're going to go to Japan. She has... Oh. She has something to look forward to now. She doesn't have to look in the past and see nothing but fear. She can now look to the future. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's so important to her character. Halloween is over. Like, it's ended. There's, it's time to move mm-hmm. on. Uh, it's time for other, winter. Yeah, there's other... Well, yeah, winter's coming. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, <laughs> it's... It, Halloween is now just a holiday. It's not Michael Myers. It's not... Mm-hmm haunting it's not defining her life like her life became fixated on halloween all the time and it got became fixated on michael myers just like haddonfield did after kills and for Mm -hmm. both towns to put that to for both the town and laurie to put that to rest was a beautiful ending honestly Mm -hmm. yeah that's halloween man that's the franchise that's the end of michael i'm i hope it won't be, but... It's at least the so. end for Blumhouse's Michael. Yeah, it's the end for a while, so... <laughs> yeah. Man, we we did it. I'm so glad that we got we to talk about it. it. I'm so glad that it's still topical. Like, Halloween Ends is still yeah. being talked about, so we can put our official square horror stamp on uh, Halloween Ends and the franchise as a whole. Mm-hmm. Whew, man. Follow our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. We talked about it on our franchise breakdown episode, and we haven't said it as much as of late, but, like, tell us what you thought about Halloween Ends. Tell us what you thought about, you know, kills. Tell us what you think about all the stuff we Yes, we'd love to hear. We love talking about it. We love hearing the perspectives, especially if you watch this movie because we jibber-jabbered about it. And until next time... You all stay spooky out there.